Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I'm so excited uh, that you're joining us this morning. And come on, are you excited about regathering together as the church family? I am pumped. Listen, if you are excited about July 12th regathering in a in in a physical place together, drop a a hand emoji or a praise emoji or something down in the comments just to let us know that you're pumped about worshiping together with your church family. I can't wait. So, so excited. Let you know we'll still be in Acts. We'll still be in the Reset series uh, come July 12th because this is going to take us a good way into the summer. And can I just be honest, since we're talking about regathering as a church, can I just be like a a little bit vulnerable right here at the beginning? Um, I'm very thankful for online technology that allows us to uh, have a worship experience like this in the middle of the the COVID epidemic um, so that we can be online together. I'm very thankful for that. I think it's awesome. And I think there's a lot of opportunity here that we want to continue to explore uh, in the next months and years ahead. However, like saying all that, it's a bit odd, right? Come on. Like for me anyway, it's a bit odd. And I'll just, okay, here's the real truth. I don't like online only church, okay? (laughs) I don't like it. it. It's, I do not like. This is not my preferred way of worshiping. And so I'm really, really excited about coming back together, regathering July 12th. If that if that's you, just just like say amen, Pastor, down in the, the comment. If you if you kind of feel if you know what I'm feeling, if you feel me, like just type I feel you, you know, something like that. Um, anyway, that's why today, today I want to talk about why the physical gathering together of God's people is so important. And if this isn't going to be like, here's the deal. This isn't going to be like an exhaustive study on physical worship experiences versus digital worship experiences. And, and I don't want to discount what God has done in your life and so many lives over the last three months. Uh, but it is to say there's a There's an example, I believe, from the book of Acts that really can shed light on why it's so important that we gather together in person, physically, uh, with one another. Um, In in this series, Reset, we've kind of unpacked the three big ideas that we see in the book of Acts. Number one, purpose is given. Jesus gave us our purpose. He said, hey, here's the deal. I want you to take this message of salvation all the way to the ends of the earth. I want you to go everywhere with this thing. I want you to tell everybody about salvation and about what I've done. And and so we we do that. We see our purpose. We see power is available. The Holy Spirit has filled the church to empower us to live transformed lives uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ that then other people can live. Like they see that and they surrender their life. And there's that whole like cycle that we want to experience as a church. Um, And then we said, number three, that people are our target. What kind of people? 
All kinds of people, every people, all people everywhere are our target because God loves everybody. Everybody is our target. And so last week, we, uh, we jumped ahead a little bit in Acts to pick up the story of Stephen and the other, um, you know, the other people who were uh, leading the orphan, orphan, the, the widow um, distribution, food distribution ministry. And so we looked at that. And today we're going to kind of flip back a few pages to Acts chapter 3 and 4 and discover this like incredible story um, that, that really will, by the end of it, shed light on our question of why it's so important that we gather, to, that we gather together physically in person. What, what is the benefit of that? Um, to do that, though, let's jump into chapter 3. There's the story at the beginning of chapter 3 that's kind of like, here's, here's how I'm treating it today. It's kind of a mini sermon inside the bigger sermon. Okay, so here's the mini sermon, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And then I'm just going to kind of comment along the way through the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4. So verse 1 says that one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now that's an important uh, detail that Luke includes, and, and I'll show you why here in a second. But first, like why were they going to the temple? Like weren't they, you know, didn't they leave behind all of that? Well, See, what's happened is Jesus has given them instructions. I want you to take this message to, Judea, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, they're in Jerusalem. And guess what's the center of life in Jerusalem? The temple. So they're just taking the gospel right to the center of life in Jerusalem. And then it says, verse 2, a man who was there, a man was there who was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I love verse 6. Verse 6 makes me shout every time I read it. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you, man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's so good. Because sometimes we can focus on what we don't have when what we do have is what people actually need. Man, I love that. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So right here in the beginning of chapter 3, we see the first miracle story in Acts. Now, I know chapter 2 ends did I say chap chapter 3? Chapter 2 ends with there were signs and wonders by the apostles. But this is the first narrative. This is the first real life flesh and blood story. And it's about a man who has been lame for over, over 40 years, being brought to the entrance to the temple. And day after day, people had just been passing him by. And nothing, nothing was happening until this day at 3 p.m. And I hope... 
I hope that you see the symmetry in this story. Come on, where are they at? They're, they're at the temple. What is the temple? The temple is the, is the physical presence of God on the earth in the Jewish community, in the Jewish faith. It is, it is the intersection of heaven and earth. It's where they meet. And in this temple or at this temple, there is a gate called beautiful, the beautiful gate. And that gate serves as a separation point between the outer courts and the inner courts. And so this crippled man could make it only so far and then he could make it no further. He could, he could get to the gate, but he could not go beyond the gate because if he did, he would defile the temple. If he did, he would be an affront to the presence of of God. So he could get to the gate, but he couldn't go through the gate. Or let's put it this way, since we're talking about temple and presence and stuff, he could get right up to the presence, but he couldn't go in to the presence. But come on, somebody at 3 p.m., all of that changed. Do you remember what happened at 3 p.m.? If you look back in Luke, Luke tells us that at 3 p.m., that's when Jesus died. Not far from this, he died outside of the gate. Not far from this beautiful gate. And he died not just so that we could get to the gate. Come on, somebody. He died so that through his life, death, and resurrection, we could go through the gate into the very presence of God. At the temple in Jerusalem, there is a gate called Beautiful. But come on, there's another beautiful gate. His name is Jesus. And every broken and crippled and messed up person who can get to that gate can go through that gate because they've been made whole by Jesus. You might come to the gate that is Jesus Christ limping and crawling, but by his power, you're going to go through the gate jumping and running. You might get to the gate in darkness, but because of Jesus, you're going to go through the gate into his marvelous light. You might get to the gate dead in your sins, but you're going to go through the gate into everlasting life. Come on, somebody. If that fires you up, can I get an amen or a hallelujah or something down in the comment section? Man, now that is the mini sermon inside of the bigger sermon. But my Lord, this is one of my favorite stories. I know I say that all the time, but this is true. I love this story, and there's so much richness in this. Man, it's just a beautiful, a beautiful story. So what happens next? Well, a big crowd emerges, and Peter goes into the gospel message. Like, he just goes straight into preaching zone, and it's a clinic. I mean, it's an amazing message, and it goes all the way through the rest of chapter 3. Then when we get into chapter 4, the, uh, the religious leaders, the religious elite, they hear what's happening. They see what's happening, and so they seize Peter and John. And because it's late, they just throw them in jail. They throw them in jail for the night. And so I want you to see the result of this miracle is that, one, Jesus is proclaimed. Two, persecution happens immediately. And three, the church explodes. Look at this, verse 4 of chapter 4. But many who heard the message believed. What message? The message Peter just preached after dude got up from 40 years of laying at the gate. So many people believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And it says, 
It, it tells us that the next day, verse 5 says, the next day, Peter and John are brought before the religious leaders, the, the religious elite, including the high priest. The high priest is there, and, and they question Peter and John. And they, what does Peter do? Peter goes right into another gospel message. Peter goes right into preaching the gospel to the high priest. The high priest is hearing the gospel. It's incredible. And then notice verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and you see, you see the three big ideas playing out right here in chapters 3 and 4. Purpose, power, and people. I mean, come on, Caiaphas is there. Caiaphas, no one, the, the presence of Caiaphas to hear the gospel tells us that no one on the planet, there's not a single person on the planet that God doesn't want to, to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And fast forward to verse 13, it says, When they, the religious elite, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, come on, where did they get that courage? They got that courage because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They got that courage because they were hanging out with Jesus. That's what Luke says. He says, When they saw the courage and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Come on. Do you remember... Do you remember week one, what we said that our, that our desired outcome was for this series? It's not so that we all have a bunch of knowledge about Acts. No, it's that we would be marked by the presence of God. I want to be, I want to be marked. It's, this is, this is what it says. It says the religious leaders took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were marked by the presence of God. Would it be said of you and me? When people get around us, they can just sense that we've been marked by the presence of God. Well, Peter and John, they, they return to their people and they report everything that happened. Uh, they, they, they share what's going on and then they go into prayer. The, the community starts praying and three things fall out in this prayer that I think are just really important as we unpack like, why is it so important to gather together as a church? Three things. Number one is, is in verse 24 of chapter 4. It says, Sovereign Lord. Here's the beginning of their prayer. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, let me give you a, a pro tip when it comes to praying, okay? Start every prayer. Every prayer that you pray, start it by acknowledging the greatness of God. Come on, start every prayer getting your perspective, getting your vision in the right place. And how do you do that? You do that through worship. You do that by getting your eyes on the greatness of God. And so that's what they do. They start their prayer by, by focusing in on the magnificence, on the, on the awesomeness of the Creator God. And then they quote a couple of uh, Old Testament verses and then they make two requests. And I think these two things fill out for us um, how, how we should think about gathering together and why it's so important. And two things that every one of us should be praying as well. Look at this, verse 29. It says, it says Now, Lord, consider their threats. Now, it doesn't say, now, Lord, cause them to die horrible deaths, which is what I would have been praying. Come on, somebody. I would have, Lord, um, wipe them out, please. 
like just just nix them, just take them out. No, no, no. They, they say, Lord, would you would you just would you just take note? Would you just look upon and consider their their threats? Because here's the thing. There will always be threats because threats are the currency of a world driven by fear. Threats will always always be present because that's how the world that is operated by fear is 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 driven. Like that's how it operates. Threats threats reflect the anxiety of the powers and principalities that are trying to control the move of God. Anywhere you see threatening language, anywhere where you see threats, it's a, it's a telltale sign that there's some kind of manipulation taking place of the, of the move of God in somebody's life. And we never marvel at threats. It doesn't say, now, Lord, marvel at their threats. It just says, no, Lord, consider their threats. Why? Because we marvel at the presence of God. The marveling was what happened in verse 24, where it says, Sovereign Lord, you made everything. You're awesome. You're incredible. God, I love you. Now, God, would you just look upon? Would you just see what's happening here? And then they say two more, they, they, they say two things. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You know what I would have asked the Lord for? I would have said, Lord, enable your servants with divine protection. Come on, God, would you just dispatch Michael and about three or four more angels to just be our, our divine bodyguard here on earth? But they don't say that. Here's what they say, Lord, would you enable us, even if they hurt us, to boldly proclaim your word? God, would you enable us even if they come against us, even if they persecute us, to just be faithful to declaring your word. That's incredible. That is an amazing thing to pray. And then they say, number two, verse, verse 30, it says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, God, would you enable us to speak boldly? And God, would you just continue to do the miraculous would you just continue to show up in unexplainable ways? And in this prayer, we see the rhythm of church. We see the rhythm of church life. We see worship, witness, and wonder. Worship, witness, and wonder. You see, there's a, the, the rhythm of church life is found in these three things. And in letting these three things that, that in the book of Acts, they live together as like a model for our experience. Letting these three things become our, our values, our, our you know, MO, worship, witness, and wonder. Man, that's going to bring us into just a, a, a mighty move of God because it is the, the flow of the move of God. It's the flow. It's not necessarily linear. Okay, it's not a formula. It's not worship, check, witness, check, wonder, check. It's not, it's not a sequential, necessarily a sequential order. It's more of an ebb and flow. It's more of a, of a, of a, of a moving in and out and in and out. And it's also, it's not, it's not an individual thing. Did you notice that, that, that they don't pray for individual boldness? 
They, they don't pray like, like Peter doesn't say, Lord, would you make me bold so that I can be a hero? I can be like a, 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 a gospel preaching superhero. That's not, that's not the prayer. Now, of course, we all need to be bold. Each of us need to be bold, but our boldness, it's always, it's always a together, a together boldness. It's never a me, me myself boldness. It's a together, it's a, it's a joined together boldness. It's a boldness that's born out of a worshiping and witnessing community experiencing the wonders of God. It's, see, here's the thing. The lie of American individualism, okay? Can I just say that? Can I be honest with you and like just, just kind of slow down here for a second? The lie of individualism is that boldness comes from someplace within. That boldness, like, it's something you have to muster up and within. And, and like, you know, the, the, the American idea of, like, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and be a self-made man and, and all that stuff. Like, that individualistic idea, that's not this kind of boldness. That's not the kind of boldness that, that they're praying for. The boldness that they want is not a boldness that comes from within. It's a boldness that comes from without. It comes from the Spirit of God. The disciples gathered together to ask for what they did not possess but came from without of them. And God answered their prayer. They prayed and God shook the place. Would that God would shake our places again. Look at this, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Lord, wouldn't you, would you please shake us once more? Shake us again out of our, out of our complacency. Shake us again out of our, out of our ideals of, of, of other people being bold and witnessing for you and worship, like shake us out of our funk of coronavirus and, and political division. God, would you shake your church one more time? And look what it goes on. It says that the place was shaken. The place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit comes, shakes the place. Would our places be shaken again? Would our homes be shaken again? Lord, would you shake our church again? And would you fill the community once more with your Holy Spirit? The place was shaken and the people were filled. And they, they, they spoke. It's like a chorus of faithful boldness comes out of the community. In worship, witness, and wonder. In Acts, we see, we see a God who comes to us, not just in words, but also in wonders, in the midst of our worship. Because these wonders, these miracles, these mighty acts of healing, they have to be interpreted. They have to be proclaimed. They have to be witnessed. Wonders have to be witnessed. They have to be declared. They have to be talked about. And so there's this interplay, and I hope you can see it because it comes up over and over again in the book of Acts. There's this interplay of worship, witness, and wonder. 
And you see it through this story right here. In chapter 2, when we end chapter 2, what's happening? Well, the community's meeting together. They're breaking bread. They're praising God. They're, they're worshiping. They're a worshiping community. And when we step into chapter 3, what do we see? We see a wonder. We see a mighty miracle in the form of a crippled man receiving his healing. And then what happens next? Peter witnesses to the power that made this man whole. And the authorities, they get all, they get all riled up by this, by this witness to the wonder that's just been done by the power of Christ. And so Peter and John, they get thrown in jail. And when they get out, what do they do? They go back to the community, worship again. They pray. They, 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 they go into the next, the next flow of worship. They're seeking the power to, to bear witness boldly as God stretches his hand to do wonders. It's, I want you to see that because that is why it's so important that we gather together physically, in person. That's why it's so important because there's this, there's this communal, relational interplay of worship, witness, and wonder that needs to happen in the community because that's the source of our life is this is this this rhythm this rhythm of worship witness and wonder worship witness and wonder and would these three things define vertical church for the next 10 years worship witness and wonder let me pray for you lord we thank you god for this opportunity God, to, to, to gather here in this digital space, we don't take it for granted, God. We, re we really genuinely are thankful for it, even if it's not our favorite thing. God, because we it's not our favorite thing, Lord, because we recognize that this flow of worship, witness, and wonder, this is, a, this is an, an, an in-person kind of, this is a physical, um, tangible kind of flow, God. This is something that happens in community, in physical proximity with one another. This worship and witness and wonder that is the source of life for our church. And so, God, we want to ask you, we want to ask you, Father, to let these three things consume our imagination. To let these three things consume our church. To be a worshiping church. To be a witnessing church. And to be a church where signs and wonders happen because you are present to heal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the community of Vertical Church. We can't wait to see what you do, who gets saved, who gets healed, what marriage gets restored because of who you are. As we, as we strive, God, to just in, enter into that rhythm, of worship, witness, and wonder. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.